fucking live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. I appreciate you change Raheem Mostert's name to Kareem Mostert. No, I said no. This is the press box. Tyler, are you still there? With Grady and Bischoff. Those two maroons <laughs> can jump on a boat and sail up Lake Mead, n- never to be seen again. On ESPN Las Vegas. Back at it on a Tuesday. Hope you had a great holiday weekend. We'll talk about ours in a bit. But first, on a nice Tuesday morning, Jared's got the beginning. The first bite. Does waving Tanner Muse look worse for Tanner Muse or Mike Mayock? Mike Mayock. Yeah. <laughs> Mike Mayock. Well, Tanner Muse never plays a snap in the NFL. It might be Tanner Muse. But let's hold out. Let's hold off on that for a second because he's still a young guy. There's there's a very clear reason as to why it's Mike Mayock, and that is because they took Tanner Muse two years ago in the third round. It was the 100th overall pick in the draft. If you go back and look at like uh, big boards or seven round mock drafts, Tanner Muse was about 180, which is uh, about nice. two, almost three full rounds past where the Raiders took. Tanner Muse. So you're talking about a fifth, maybe sixth round pick that they took at the end of the third round. He gets injured last year, so he spends the whole year on IR, and now he gets waived before the season even starts. We have talked so much about the Raiders not creating value with their draft picks, but we've primarily talked about it with their early picks when they take a Cleveland Furl, when they take an Alex Leatherwood, despite him being mocked to the second round. When they take Henry Ruggs as the first receiver when he's, you know, regarded as the third best receiver. We've talked so much about the value, but it's not just in the first round. They do this throughout the draft. And Tanner Muse is another example of that where they took this guy two rounds early. And now we're sitting uh, two years later. Tanner Muse is gone. Tanner Muse is waived. I mean, he might come back on the practice well, squad. I come back today in the practice squad. I don't see anyone running to pick him up at this point. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I haven't seen that on Twitter. <laughs> but Tanner Muse is gone. And they, again, they took him in the third round. And like the funniest part of all of this, and the reason it's Mike Mayock is because before the third round in 2020, when the Raiders were sitting with three third round picks, he said to me, three picks in the third is just like stealing. If we're doing our job the right way, Hopefully that's three more starters. They took Lynn Bowden, traded him to Miami for a fourth. They took Tanner Muse. He's way before he even plays a game. The only one even left on the team, let alone starting. Brian the only one left on the team is Brian Edwards, who had 11 catches last year for 193 yards. He is a projected starter this year, but that's it. Mike Mayock thought he had three starters with that with those third-round picks, and he might have one. Is the Joker starting in Miami? Lynn Bowden, no. Uh, I think he's pretty far down certain depth packages. Chart. I think he got pushed down to Joker depth packages. Chart. Yeah, I mean, when you say something like that, you're held accountable. And they do not, I mean, put it this way. Other other teams right now are saying, we're glad you stole those guys because it was like stealing because it hasn't worked out for any of them. We'll see about Brian Edwards this year. We've talked, you know, talked and talked about Ruggs and Edwards and how important they are to this season and they need to step up and all of those things. They need someone beyond Darren Waller to actually be competent receivers in terms of numbers. It doesn't look good for him. Uh, and, you know, you go back to, the Cleve Furls and other picks they made, uh, and it has not looked at the other guys in the 2020 draft. Um, Rugs, like you said, Arnett hasn't done anything. Right. He's been he's been ranked, you know, uh, very low in terms of Pro Football Focus in their ranking. So, John this, Simpson. Well, that's the thing. He was <laughs> awful last year. Yeah. 
and they think he's going to be better this year, it's like he better be better this year, right? <laughs> I mean, Simpson better be better this year or not the entire draft. Let's say, let's say Brian Edwards, you know, none of these guys pan out. I mean, could be one of the worst drafts in the history of the franchise. Yeah, if none mean, of these guys pan out. You're looking at right now a first round pick in Damon Arnett, who is not starting going into right. his second season. They've already said, no, you're not starting right. going into your second. They had to go get Casey season. Hayward. They had to go right. get somebody. You are looking at Ruggs and Edwards, two guys who didn't do a whole lot last year, but the Raiders have basically put them in as starters. I I think the right word to use is unearned. I mean, there's nothing Ruggs and Edwards have done to really earn a starting spot, but both neither one played in the preseason and both are locked in as starters for week one. But that's really the only positive right now is that those two guys have potential. Like they, we haven't seen much from Ruggs and Edwards to be excited about on the field, but those two do have potential. Like Edwards is a big body. There is the physical traits there. There's a chance to be good. Yeah. And Ruggs is, as you've exclusively reported, fast. So there's a chance. I try to be ahead of the curve. <laughs> There's a chance. I just I can't believe no one in the national media. I got mean, there. eventually someone else will pick up at it other than me. So there's a chance Rugs and Edwards are good, but we just haven't seen it yet. And if and here's the thing: if only one of those works out, it's still a brutal draft class you're looking at right now because there's you'll be looking at nothing else even worked out from having five picks in the first three rounds. So here's my question. When we, when we look at the most recent draft class for the Raiders, is there any reason to think that Leatherwood and Merrick are going to be good? I mean, they've got two guys, two rookies that they have starting at right tackle and at free safety. Is there any reason to think they're going to um, be good based on well, Mike Mayock's previous drafting? I mean, two parts of that. I, I, I don't think I can say that they won't be. We have to give them a chance. I, I don't know. Maybe they both end up being great. We have no idea about that. So if you're going just on recent draft classes – the odds are not in their favor, right? So it hasn't worked out in other ones, but it doesn't mean that they can't be better than everyone who's been drafted and be great. We don't know. I like this other part, though, you have down here. I don't think, no matter what happens with Leatherwood or Morgan or whoever, I don't think, as long as they're together as a duo, that John Gruden and Mike Mayock are going to change their strategy. I think they think, again, we've talked about this, I, I think they think they know more than anyone in the room. That's not original to people who run NFL teams. They all think they know everything more than anyone in the room. And most times they know a lot more than the rest of us about football. But let's say Leatherwood and Morg don't work out this year. Do you really believe next year it's not going to be like, well, we followed our board. We don't listen to what people say. We followed our board. I, I don't think that's ever changing as long as those guys are the ones drafting. And it hasn't worked out so far. I, I mean, how could they? How would you think that they could change their? Well, it's an easy question, philosophy in terms of drafting what more people think are higher ranked players and not taking as many reaches. But do you really believe Mike Mayock won't do that? I mean, they have to. Okay, at what point do they sit down and say, "Wow, we have blown this three straight years, four straight know. years, five straight years"? Because again, the biggest problem. It's not necessarily the players they take. It's that they don't understand the league-wide value. They yeah, don't where understand they that yeah. Tanner Muse is a projected sixth-round pick. And you pick him in the if, third. If we're talking about them yeah. waving Tanner Muse as a sixth-round pick today, we're not talking no one's about it today. We don't even bring it up. Well, we are talking about the birthday wish, but that has nothing to but do yes, with him waving. The tweet. <laughs> but we're not, we're not, like, it doesn't matter if you wave a sixth-round pick. It's when you have a third-round pick yeah. and your GM says it's like stealing, this should be a starter, and you wave him before he plays the game, right? They keep doing this where Alex Leatherwood is not a projected first round pick. You take him in the first round where Damon Arnett is a projected third round pick. You take him in the first round. When and Cleveland, he's not starting his right, second year. When Cleveland Farrell is a projected 20th overall pick in the draft, you take him fourth. 
they keep doing it every year. And at some point, if they keep whiffing, if they keep waving guys, benching guys, whatever it is, at some point they have to sit down and say, we don't know more than the rest of the NFL. We don't know better than every other GM. We need to start paying attention to what everybody else thinks before we make our picks because it's burning us year after year. Boy, I want to be a fly in the wall if that conversation ever happens because I don't know if it does. I, I think they're... Now, it might happen behind the scenes, and they might actually already be admitting that, but they're never going to come out and say anything like that. I, I cannot believe the closest these guys have gotten to taking a fault at all is we have to go to the playoffs this year. We haven't good been, been good enough defensively, but it's really nothing upon them directly when it comes to these draft picks. Like, I haven't heard that yet at all. I don't know if you have, but I've not heard quotes to the, to this, to the point of we haven't drafted well enough. Or we've drafted, as you said, we've drafted uh, poorly in terms of what their value is. Like, I've never even heard them come close to that. So if we're saying they're going to do that, like, I don't believe it. I I don't believe it. No matter what happens this year with these draft picks, uh, they just keep reaching. It's one thing, like I said before, it's one thing to think you're the smartest people in the room. It's another thing to try to continue proving it. And how do you continue proving it? By taking guys off their spots in terms of where everyone else agrees they are. That's like, no, no, no. We know better than everyone else. Everyone says this guy's 20, but we know he's number four. We know that. You can do that once and miss, but it seems like they're doing it a lot. I mean, you can do it. You know, everyone takes a shot. Everyone tries to steal someone. Everyone says, no, we think he's better than what everyone else is saying. They continue doing it. Like, almost every pick. It's like, don't you hear every – I mean, may not the last two years. Have you not – heard the first question in every post-draft conference. Uh, everyone had that guy 35. You took him second. What do you think? I mean, it's like a common theme. So to me, as if they keep doing it, I don't think they're going to admit or that they believe they're wrong. Like, I, I, if you keep doing something, you're not you're not admitting that you're wrong. Well, I think the admittance of them being wrong is at the end of the season, if they don't make the playoffs, Mike Mayock's fired, isn't he? Well, someone's on the hook, and it's not the head coach. Yeah, I mean, if this team wins seven or eight games and they don't make the playoffs again, we're we're not coming back next year with Gruden, Mayock, and Carr. We're not coming no, back with all no. three if they miss the playoffs, no. right? Can't. Like somebody's yes. gonna be out of here. Could so, be two, other than the head coach. Yeah. So that to me, that's your admittance. I mean, hell, waving Tanner Muse is somewhat of admitting you you screwed up the pick yeah. when you waved the guy before he ever plays a game after taking him in the third round. But that to me is when we that to me is when it's hey, they might not say it out loud. But if we get to the end of the year, they miss the playoffs, and Mike Mayock is fired, that is John Gruden saying the draft strategy has not been good enough. Now, sure, because that's not, what he's in charge right, of. Now, Essentially, or, not, or supposedly. Mayock deserves that. We've talked oh, we a lot about that. Mayock in this. Yeah. It might just simply be Gruden. Like, Mike yeah. Mayock might be sitting in the draft room saying, no, don't take Tanner Muse. We can get him in the sixth, John. Trust me. Johnny, do I have to turn this card in? <laughs> because this guy is probably not a third rounder. Turn it in! And that's the hard part in evaluating we don't know. this organization is who loved Tanner Muse? Who loved Damon Arnett in the first round? Who loved Cleveland Furl at four overall? We we don't know the answers to those questions because even though Mike Mayock is the GM, everybody assumes John Gruden is having okay. the final say. Do you believe we're wrong about that? Because you and I talked about a quote Gruden had earlier in the camp, which I thought, actually when practice was underway, which I thought was really interesting. He said something to the fact of, well, the GM's going to tell me or the GM's going to make the decision. As the first time I ever heard him give inference to perhaps Mayock actually had some power there. Yesterday, he does a, a one-on-one with Vinny Bonsignor of the Review Journal, and one of his answers is, you know, there's been a lot of changes here. There's this, there's a new president, there's that. And he's t- and let me ask you this. Is it him? It, is it us not understanding that other people have power, or is it him being 40 and 40 after so many years 
and kind of trying to spread it out now. He's not a dumb guy. I think I think he's pretty smart in terms of how, you know, where he goes with his comments. So those two comments of late of the last few weeks kind of surprised me because I'll tell you one thing. When when Mark Bidane was a president, never heard that. I don't think he ever mentioned. Well, he mentioned Mark Bidane to say, hey, he's doing a great job on the stadium or he built the stadium. But he never gave the inference that someone in that position might hold some kind of influence. Yeah, I never heard him say that. I don't know if it's him setting up as, hey, this is not all my fault. Or if I it don't is, know. I, I would tend to believe in the contract and the money that we know. And that is that John Gruden got a 10-year, $100 right. million dollar deal. So John Gruden is the one that's making the decisions. because Oh, that, the, it heavily favors that. Right. I just so, don't know if he's starting to float things that they don't make the playoffs. Like, well, it's not all me. Yeah. So I would believe he's the one making the decisions. And he is, in a sense... Kind of floating it out there. Hey, I'm the head coach. I get paid the most, but there's yeah. other people who make these decisions too. So when we suck again, it's not my fault. I th- I think that that's what I would lean to. That's where I would go to is what John Gruden is doing when he starts bringing up everybody else and whether it's hey, I listen to the GM or hey, we got a new president around here. Things are different. Like I don't know if eight and nine sucking. <laughs> I mean, it's below five hundred. It's, it's it's the prolonged mediocrity that I think is the most delightful part of this is. If they were sucking, that'd be one thing. It's the fact that they win eight games. I I do think it would be interesting, and I, they'll never. They're obviously much better than this, so it'll never happen. How much would they reach on the number one overall pick? <laughs> if there's some person out there who's completely like, yeah, Jimmy's the number one pick. It's like, uh, number one pick to the Raiders have picked Mark. Would they have <laughs> taken? Wait a minute, who? Would they have taken Mac Jones over Trevor Lawrence this year? Oh. That's the great question because of his infatuation and his love of quarterbacks. Except he doesn't draft them, remember. And Mac Jones. Great point. Mac great Jones. Point. That would have been fun because th- those are his two teams he drafts from, Alabama and Clemson. Trevor Lawrence went to Clemson, oh, Mac Jones to Alabama. That would have been a tough decision the for him. struggle internally for that. He actually would have taken Alex Leatherwood number okay, one overall. I was going to say. Okay. I was going to say. <laughs> if they took a quarterback. I still say they would have taken Trevor Lawrence. I assume they. Would I assume have they to. would have taken Trevor Lawrence. I would hope they would have taken Trevor Lawrence. Um, <laughs> Alex, we Lever- have no evidence to say that they would. <laughs> All right, last part on this, I can say for sure one thing was not John Gruden. He did not send out the happy no. birthday tweet to Tanner Muse two hours after they waved him. <laughs> that goes to show you when you do those timed tweets, be absolutely sure it's going to go out in a, in a good, on a good timing. Uh, so yeah, it was deleted quickly when like, eh, we waved to that guy two year, two hours happy birthday, ago. Tanner Muse. Here's my realtor's <laughs> business gonna, card. Exactly. Good luck selling and buying. Cause you're uh, out of here. All right. Coming up next. All right. We got to get a little bit into the world of soccer. Because some Argentinian players got arrested on the field this weekend. U.S. advantage, Calvin Acosta, Anthony Robinson, We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Graney and Tyler Bischoff. All right, we'll get to the United States not winning a World Cup qualifier again. But World Cup qualifiers happening all over the world over the weekend. Brazil and Argentina were supposed to play a game. It was abandoned seven minutes in because Brazilian police showed up to arrest four players from Argentina. They had two guys from Aston Villa, two guys from Tottenham, both teams in the Premier League in England. And the reason those four were arrested is because after arriving in Brazil, 
they were supposed to quarantine because Brazil has England on whatever list they have of countries where you have to quarantine for so long after entering the country. Those four players uh, obviously did not quarantine long enough because they were on the field playing in the game. Uh, So the game was stopped in the seventh minute when police arrived and the four players were detained and the game was ultimately abandoned. Um, I don't know if I love or hate the idea that the Brazilian police waited for the game to start to then show up and arrest them. You knew where they were. They're on the pitch. Well, as Lionel Messi said, they've been in the country for a couple of days and they had been at the stadium for a couple of hours. They could have shown up at any point before the game started and actually arrested these guys, but they waited specifically for the game to start. I mean, have you seen the beaches of Brazil? Uh, these poor guys, they got there, they're like quarantine. And you see, you see the sights on the beaches of Brazil? Come on, what are you talking about? You got to get down to the beach. Uh, this is funny. <laughs> I, no, you can laugh, and it's absolutely preposterous that they waited till seven minutes into the match and said, let's go do it now in front of everybody and make, a, make news. So uh, I just, you know, if... Other than the four, if everyone else was quarantining, I, I make the joke about the beach. What were these guys doing? Like, aren't you with your team the entire no, time? No, no, no. Not everybody had to quarantine. Just them? It depends on what country you traveled from. Oh, so, so they must have. Uh, so England is on Brazil's list of countries. Yeah, these guys from Tottenham and, and uh, Aston Villa uh, came in from England. Right. So it, it depends on what uh, country you came from. Where'd Messi come from? Home? <laughs> yeah. I guess France isn't on Where'd the Where'd he list. come from? Um, so, it, yeah, it depended on uh, what country well. you were coming from. But you still check in with the boys. Hey, guys, we're here. What are you doing? Uh, well, we're going to the beach. But you guys, if you know the rules, need to go to the hotel. I mean, no one was there to meet them. So, uh, maybe uh, you got to get to the hotel. Listen, I'm assuming Argentina just said, we're not quarantining. They're not going to make us not quarantine. They're not going to force us to. We can get by it. And they couldn't. Until the police came yeah. on and turned <laughs> up and said, hey. Stop with that throwing. You're coming with me. That's actually pretty cool. That's actually good. I wonder what, I guess there was a, there had to be an announcement of some sort. Can you imagine like being a fan there and these guys, especially Brazilian fans like, uh, what's going on? Why are they leaving the field? Where's Messi going? What if, what if there were, they were like in the police station and they were like, we can't get them all at once. How will we get them all together? And someone just goes, well, they got a game. Well, I did see someone tweet the Brazilian police will often like wait until there's a like a birthday or a wedding <laughs> and show up and arrest people. Like if there's somebody that they know they need to arrest, then they know there's some beautiful. big event coming up. That's they'll show beautiful. up at the big event and arrest the person because oh. I guess they view it as less dangerous. They're like, yeah, if he's around. Well, if we're out shoot in, his own yeah, family. Yeah. I mean, if we're out in front of everyone. Yeah. Well, now you are talking Brazil, Jared. So <laughs> come on now. <laughs> we don't know who's shooting anybody, but uh, well, it's a dangerous place. I, this is kind of funny in a lot of ways. I mean, they so okay. So, I mean, are they now quarantined in their cells? I mean, what, I what's going I, I on actually, now? They just I kept them there. Looked up the update here, or, or do they just but, get them on a plane and say, "Go give it to somebody else"? But if you remember, two weeks ago we talked about the Premier League saying we're not going to let players leave right. to go to right. the red listed countries or whatever. South America, I think all of South America was on that list. Like the, the Premier League initially came out and said these four players were not going to be allowed to go and what play happened? in this. Both Tottenham and Aston Villa both agreed to let they their relented. players go. They said they're, they're so the what their deal was, each team is playing three World Cup qualifiers right, right now. Their deal was you guys can go play the first two and then come straight back. That way you're the time you have to quarantine back okay. in England is significantly less. So I think these four 
at some level were just irresponsible people because if they if Tottenham and Aston Villa had to go through that whole uh, that whole scenario of hey we'll let you go but at some point someone had to tell these four you have to quarantine when you get there well, I mean they wouldn't have even gone because they yeah been exactly able to so play. obviously they just they went there and just play. didn't do it yeah. so it's like you know what you, get, you need to get arrested right. then if they if they if they showed up to say oh we'll quarantine before the game they there was not enough time for them to quarantine and then play the listen, game listen if these dudes were in a Brazilian jail for jail for three days they'll quarantine the next time so <laughs> they learned their lesson. They learned their lesson. They probably won't be in that. Uh, well, mean, if they actually get a leave. Also, Brazilian jail sounds like the big, like, well, ha- where'd you get COVID? I got it at the Brazilian jail. I was fine until you arrested me and put me in jail. So there's your World Cup qualifiers. There's we, your thing. What, what happened to the Americans? What, what's we, going on? We'll get to that in, what's going in on? briefs. We'll get to it. Relax. You oh, can wait a minute. Them Is briefs. that in the rundown Do as well? either of you read the rundown? <laughs> Come on! Not after a long weekend. Yes, exactly. It was a long weekend. We'll well, get to the. He US. was going zero dark thirty the entire time, and I may have imbibed in too many um, uh, festivities. Festivities. If someone came to the U.S. from a country where they had to quarantine before getting here, are we still doing that in the U.S.? I feel like we aren't doing that. I I think people are just coming. Do you just but, you show yeah. up? You get some horse. Dormer, <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> would we arrest them on the field? No. Or would the United States? They'd be arrested States... in the locker room before the game okay. started. Okay. They'd yes. find a way to yes. do it where it wasn't on the field. Yes. So really, we're just anti-fun. Like, we're anti-spectacle yes. here. Like No no one from Metro's running on the lights field in the middle of the match and saying, come on, let's go. I mean, someone well, from I Metro mean, might I be mean... starting for the lights. <laughs> <laughs> might be good to stop the game, but no. I think we do it. In the locker room. If you're trying to track them down and you know they're playing a match, then it's like, just get there before the match starts. So, so basically the point here is that the Brazilian police have a, they like the spotlight. They've got yes, a, they, they, they like to be in front, front and center. I mean, more, I'm not ripping them for it. It's hilarious. They're more here for our entertainment than the U.S. Yes, police would be. absolutely. The, well, yes. the, the U.S. police are boring. Whoever the hell is arresting boring. guys for yes, this. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Completely this is boring. also a crime that the Brazilian police are like, hey, we can, we can solve that one. <laughs> we found them. <laughs> You're not escaping us now. We know exactly where you're going to be. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. Is Tyler a know-it-all? Can you prove him wrong? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. Now the 1-2 is hit in the air fairly deep to right field. Soto on the run, looking up, and that ball is in the stands. Javi Baez with a home run. We're back to the press box with Grady and Bischoff, live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. Joining us now from the defector is David Roth. Uh, David, what's a better day for you? The first full day of college football or the first full Sunday of the NFL? For me, it's the NFL still. Although I kind of like made the decision like, not exactly like a self-care, like wellness sort of thing. Just at some point a few years ago, I realized that there needed to be a day of the weekend that I was not inside drinking beer in the dark watching sports. <laughs> so uh, college football got the ax more or less. And like, I still watch some, but that's my day to not be disgusting. And then on Sunday, I just, um, like I turned into like Bruce Davison's character in the first X-Men movie where he melts, but that's me. It's just Miller high life. Um, I need to, I need to work on that too. I really found the college football um, kind of cool to see this weekend, just in terms of like, it's both a little uh, sort of squeamish feeling and then also kind of awesome to see the stadiums full of kids 
like acting like they're at a college football game. Like last year, uh, not watching those games in like the empty version of the big house was like, I, I did not want to see any of that. It was like a zombie. So you wrote about it at the defector. You know, should we have full stadiums? Like, should we fully appreciate the weirdness that is college football with full stadiums? This is the thing that I, you know, I did write about it on Sunday and I've not felt as uncomfortable writing something. I think just because like what I would want is for there to be reasonable guidelines on stuff like this, a stadium full of vaccinated people. I have no problem with, you know, like that's to me, like what we're going for. That's the whole goal of all of this stuff is to like, it's not just like getting back to normal so that you can like go back and sit in a cubicle or whatever. Like the things that I miss are the things that are cool, you know, and that I like enjoyed doing as, as a person. But, you know, there's still strange to see, you know, and like when there's a stadium that's entirely full in a state that's 48% vaccinated, like that to me is still going to feel bizarre. And I guess like working through that is kind of like what we're going to need to be doing the rest of this year. Although, of course, it gets easier if you make the right decisions, you know, that like to me, like thinking of it as a reward, you know, that like at a lot of Virginia Tech, it's like 95% of the student body is vaccinated. They mandated it and the kids did it. So, like, if they want to go to a game and jump around to enter Sandman, like, to me, they earned that, like, 100%. I was but, wondering, you know, everybody else has got to earn it, too, you know? I was wondering about that, watching Wisconsin do jump around, and, and it was so cool to see. I've been there to see it. But it was also nervous, like, if you're doing that, are you really looking at the guy next to you and go, Jimmy, are you really vaccinated? Like, there must be sense of this huge nerves to where you want to get back, you want to do those things and your college kids. But you see that swarm of people, like, from an overhead shot, and you're like, what is the percentage in that place that are really vaccinated? Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, is that, like, that's why it would be good to check it or to have some way to verify it before people get in. Because, like, in the student section, like, by the numbers, the answer is an overwhelming number. It's like 91% of Wisconsin undergrads have gotten at least one dose. 88% are all the way there. That's good. Those like that said, like, would I personally be comfortable doing that? Like, I don't know, man, like half the time I get on the subway, I feel like it's, it feels wrong, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think that's kind of like part of that's the, the work of it. I have a buddy that is a Penn state guy and he was at the game at camp Randall and he's, you know, grown. He's got teenage kids and stuff like that. And he, like, messaged me and was like, yeah, you know, I actually did feel pretty safe. But also, like, I was literally in the last row of the stadium. So, like, not having someone else's, like, hot breath blowing on me back there, like, okay. probably improved it by about 20%. <laughs> David Roth from the Defector with us. Um, so, Brian Kelly says his team should oh. be executed <laughs> after winning. Uh, I'm pretty young, so I did not know that he might or might not have been referencing a very old coach who made a joke about this. Um, Brian Kelly, is it a is it a good thing to joke about? I think Brian Kelly needs to pivot to more like sort of like '70s style stand up comedy. Like I want to hear Joan Rivers bits from him. <laughs> I think that that's like the the energy that he needs to be putting down. I, it's like it's funny because it's like even if it was very obviously like a misunderstanding. Try to think of somebody who would do a better job. Like, no one could do a worse job of doing, like, kind of, like, folksy, shtick comedy than Brian Kelly. Yeah. And, by the way, one, Tyler, do you know who Joan Rivers is? No, of course okay, not. Okay, of course not. Two, two, <laughs> we, we do this every day. It's fun, actually. Uh, two, I have so much to, to discover. Yeah, I have to believe, I'm sorry, that the SID is usually standing next to the coach. 
The SID probably heard this, and on his way in, say, Brian, that was a dumb thing to say, but back in the day, this person said this. There's no chance I believed, like, afterwards, like, well, I was just quoting, you know, you know, I got to believe someone actually told him, just say this because it will go over, because if you don't say that, you just wanted to kill all your kids. Right, which is, especially with Brian Kelly, it's like, the first, it's like if he didn't clarify it, was like, as you know, John McCain just, like, yes. reads his Wikipedia <laughs> entry. If he doesn't do that, and you're just like, I think Brian Kelly like wants to kill and maybe like eat some of these guys. Yes. Like that's always the vibe that he has. Where would you rather go to school, Bishop Sycamore or North American University? Oh, so this y'all saw the the list of like unapproved yes. NCAA yes. opponents. Yes, North American University is I think the funniest of them because it reads like a placeholder title on something. <laughs> Like, if I'm, like, working on a story and I send it to an editor and I haven't come up with a headline and it was just about a college in this country, that might be what I put in, like, the little Google Doc. But the – I think my favorite of those is American Sports University because it's, like – first of all, again, it's, like, super generic. Like, it's something that you would see on, like, a bootleg sweatshirt in a, a very far away country. But it is also one of those things where it's, like, they're not even pretending that it's anything but – like a team, you know, like American sports university is like, if it's a basketball uh, oriented school, then that's a school with 15 students at it. Like well, they're not, <laughs> there's not trying to be like, no one's going to American sports university and graduating with a degree in accounting. No, the, uh, the, one of the best parts was all of a sudden with, after all the stories came out, the Bishop head coach was fired. They fired the Bishop and he was fired by the director who we didn't know at the time there was a director throughout all the stories, but he said, my son plays in this team. Would I do this to my son? And the whole time thinking, I th- suppose you would because, yeah, the, like, because there's nothing. The answer to that question is yes. Dude. Yes. <laughs> yes. You <laughs> would. Like you're doing it right now. I mean, I, I just love that there was a director after the Bishop. Cause I just assumed a guy being a Bishop would be at the top of the food chain. Yeah, no, you would, but I guess this is, this is the thing with a lot of your uh, unaccredited schools that exist only to have uh, football teams on them. There's always a cardinal above the bishop. <laughs> you know what's incredible about that? Like the the whole story of him, like you know, he's in trouble, then he's fired, and he's like basically he just like did a, a Randy Edsall to himself. Like, yes. But who's firing you? Like this is. I'm glad that there is another guy there because the rest of it was like this guy's like the coach. Uh, he also is the offensive and defensive coordinator, the director of the school. He's a self-appointed bishop and like <laughs> and a dentist. <laughs> okay, on uh, Timothy Burke, he's the one that tweeted about North American University and had the list of unaccredited colleges. Uh, which do you prefer, University of God's Chosen or <laughs> Future College? Future College is great because that's another one where it's just like a sign that you might see outside a construction site. Like the way that they have to announce that they're building residential or commercial where they're like, there's like a college is going to be here. Don't worry about it. Like give it a week. But the University of God's Chosen was great because that I remember um, Kaylin wrote about it, Kaylin Kaler for our website. And she noted just in passing because she's doing little like thumbnails at all of these schools that what is like, uh, it does not like they very proudly announce that they do not have classes. That's just like <laughs> not that type of university. Like we're really like maybe if that's something you want, you could look into another school, a future college of some kind. <laughs> university of God's chosen seems to be like I, I don't know if it's like the same place that I got like like I got one of those like online certifications. I like ran some weddings for my friends years ago. Like I might have gotten that from the University of God's Chosen. Like I may have graduated and not known. Now, hold on here. 
the Sycamores did take the one field trip to the library. So, I mean, when you throw that in there, the accreditation might be around the corner. Yeah, and I, was, yeah, I guess you can get, like, sort of internship credit if you, like, uh, live in a closed econo lodge with a bunch of other guys. Like, that's, well, that's that pre-credit for um, being in the Navy or something. I don't know what that would be. We also learned the, they owe the econo lodge about $100,000. That's another story. I wanted yeah. to ask you quickly, because uh, we talked before you came on, and I we've never asked you this uh I was reading the Pedro Gomez book, and Ray Ratto wrote an essay, and 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 longtime friend, and the depravity of that man's mind, and the brilliance yeah, and genius that comes out of it, on a daily basis. When you read his stuff, when it comes into the defector, what is the first response when he's at his finest? Ray, yes, is lights out. I mean, I I've been this is he. I'm going to be earnest about him because I know that nothing would make him angrier than uh, sincere <laughs> praise and support. Like I'll get a call from him immediately after this. Somehow he'll just sense it. I don't know if he's listening to the program. But if someone says something nice about him, he will like take a moment to send a DM to tell him to jump off a bridge. Yes. He, uh, <laughs> what's incredible about it is that like, he's so uh, like, he's always been like different in terms of like the daily writers that I've read. Like I used to have my, my first job in writing was at the wall street journal. And it's like a daily roundup of sports blogs. And so every day I would get up early and just like read as much as I could. Mm-hmm. This was back in like the Google reader days. And, uh, you know, I hated the getting up early part, but like the thing with Ray that like popped to me was that like, even reading like other good sports columnists, and this was long enough ago that like every big city still had like at least one, passable sports columnist mm-hmm. in it. Now there's like 10 nationwide. It's just like the perspective was different. The language was always super different. And he was funny in a way that wasn't like, like Mitch album, like coming out, like just in a Ronald McDonald outfit. And right. being like, what about the Pacers? Like, right. where, where? And like, that is like what most yes. comedic daily, like sports columnist stuff was. Ray's just like a weird guy with a strange brain who has like random thoughts flow through it. <laughs> but The other thing that I will say about him that's incredible is that he always, like, we don't really have word counts. You know, it's a website. Like, so, like, it's a general idea. Like, don't write 2,500 words when you can write six. He is always, it's always a round number, and it is always, like, it's like the number that he's been filing his whole life. So, like, within, like, word zero to word 800, I feel like there's never any slack in anything that he writes, which is incredible. Because, like, most of my stories still, after 15 years of doing this, Almost everything I write begins with me being like, hey, sorry, I'm going to write a blog now. If you don't want to read it, like, this would be your chance to get out. You know, like, he's just, it's all so precise still. Well, go tell Ray you love him and let yes, us know how Yes, please. Let me know how that goes. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the next one from a hospital bed. But, yes, I'm going to do that right now. Uh, <laughs> thanks for asking. He's David Roth from The Defector. David, thank you so much for coming thanks, on. Thanks, David. Thank you, guys. Have Take a good care. one. Bye. So, you gonna you want to? Share a little bit more on Ray Ratto and, and the no, Pedro Gomez book. Yeah, there's a uh, book out on Pedro Gomez, and it's about 40 essays from different people in the sports world. Like I said, I, I didn't even know he had a relationship with Max Scherzer, but they were very, very close. All these players that were very, very close about him. But Ray Ratto is kind of in the middle of this book, and he does an essay on Pedro, and uh, uh, brilliant. He is brilliant, um, Ray Ratto. I wanted to ask him about him because obviously he reads his stuff. I assume he edits it because he ed- he's one of the editors of the— the factor, and I thought uh, I'm glad we talked about him. We have Ray on, you know, periodically, and uh, when he opens up his segment with each of us calling all of us names, it's you know, then it's <laughs> off and running. Yes, he makes fun of everything, and the idea that he would write something that would 
blow people away when he's actually being serious. When he's actually being serious, yeah. That and that that's a great point. Like you know, and by the way, uh, the book is "Remember Who You Are." Uh, remember who you are about a bunch of essays about Pedro. All right, coming up next. It was a fun weekend, but did Ed stay true and not watch any of the Giants and Dodgers? But first, we have tickets to give away. We have two tickets for Saturday's show. Best comedy in town isn't on the strip. It's downtown at the Comedy Works. This weekend, it's the Comedians of the Compound headlining at the Comedy Works. We've got two tickets. 702-364-1100 is the phone number. We'll take caller number four at 702-364-1100 to go see Comedians of the Compound at the Plaza. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Call the press box voicemail and let us know. 702-720-4678. He swings and he bounces one deep into right center field. Way back there. Still going. Adios! Pelota! To the big part of the ballpark. A big fly for Belt. one nothing in the first inning. Swing and a hard ground ball. Pass first. Fair ball! Headed down into the right field corner. It goes right by the wall and into the corner. One run is scored. Here comes Yaz. He scores and streaking into third with a triple. Steven Duggar. And he has an impact right now. A two-run triple and has put the Giants back ahead. It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Ed, before we left on Friday, you yeah. said you were you were going off the grid. You weren't going to check in. You weren't going to watch or right. check in on the Dodgers and Giants three-game series over the weekend. Yeah. Did you successfully complete your task? Never watched an inning. The first two nights were easy because we were out of town and the hotel didn't get the channel, so it didn't matter. The only thing I ever saw, ever, and it was a complete mistake, was went to bed on Friday night when the Giants won 3-2, to two, four, whatever the score is. I don't remember the score, but Giants won. My son had gone out that night with a, a new new girl a date. I at like at eight nine o'clock. Maybe, no, maybe it's later. No, it was like it was ten eleven. I never looked at the ESPN score, so I didn't know what happened. So I text him, "Hey man, hope it went well. Let me know. Love you. See ya." I woke up the next morning and I forgot on my head that when the Dodger final score comes in, it comes into the phone. Now I did remember the next two days because I didn't look. So I roll over, get the phone. Saw that he texted me back, but right under him was the final score. Oh. So I knew at that point. And just ruined your entire ruined Saturday. But never uh, <laughs> never saw one. Any, the only thing I saw, and I didn't even see a thing, when the Notre Dame game was over and I assumed the, because I told you I'd start Sunday night, look what happened. The only thing uh, I saw was I, the Notre Dame game was over. I looked at the clock. The Dodger game had started at four, so I go, right, the game's over. It has to be, unless it's like in the 14th inning. So I turned to Sports Center, and they were going through all the games they played this year because I think the Giants won the series 10-9, and they were going through it, and that's the only thing I saw. Yeah. That's it. The, I know going into this weekend, the Giants and Dodgers had scored the same exact amount of yeah, runs against each other. And, and like so half the, the games like walk-offs. They were good games, but uh, yeah, that's it. So I feel, I feel, feel pretty good? successful. Well... Yeah, because the one thing, I forgot it was going to be on my phone. I just wanted to see what my son said. So I didn't purposely go to the phone to look for the score. But Saturday, nothing. Sunday, like I said, up until after the Notre Dame game. So you didn't allow felt it. Felt good. You didn't well, allow I didn't feel it. good about the results, well, but I felt good. You didn't allow it to ruin your weekend. No, I did not. Okay. Now, 
I'm looking at a kid who went to San Diego and lost two out of three, and was act- and was actually at the games all watching. All three this. of them too. How crazy were you going on Sunday when they went back to back to tie three three? I actually saw that. I was pumped. Yeah, I was pumped. Yuli Gurriel hit one in the upper yes. deck of that little building, and he the went to the field. top basket. Yeah, he went to incredible. the top. Incredible. Yeah. Did you awesome. uh, have good seats? Yeah, we sat in three different spots each day. First okay. day we sat down in the the bottom section, like seven rows up. Second day we sat in the upper deck. For some some reason, Saturday's tickets were like twice as expensive. So I was like, yeah, but you're in the upper deck. We're sitting in the upper deck. The well, I was. Gonna oh, buy you were going to go, but yeah. I was like, oh, why are they twice as expensive? And then Sunday we sat in the second deck, which was actually my favorite seats of the entire okay. weekend. So how many innings did your girlfriend watch? I mean, like really watch, like look and like watch Ooh. the entire inning. Uh, Less than three, the entire weekend. yeah of the eighteen of the twenty seven. Did that she we have? Sat a, did she have a book? Yeah, she had her Kindle with her. Yeah, she read through <sighs> it. She got at one point. She's like, I'm kind of bored with this book, but I don't want to watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, that wasn't in the second inning. <laughs> That's the kind of thing you want to hear, like in the ninth. Like, oh, don't worry, there's only two hours to go. But wow, yeah, it was. It, I mean, they lost two out of three, but it yeah. was good. Did you see the botanical garden? Uh, Japanese friendship. The Japanese garden. garden. You yes, went. You we went over there. to the Japanese friendship garden. Okay. Very relaxing. Cool. Yeah. A lot of koi yeah. fish. We went to the zoo as well. Okay. Oh, by the way, the hell is it so hot in San Diego for? I know. Jesus. I know. Does the zoo outside still have the merry-go-round? I did not see a merry-go-round. Or the little train where kids are on. I did not see. I that. spent a college fund on those things. <laughs> you know how many times those kids wanted to go on that merry-go-round? Oh my god. <laughs> Because we we had we had season passes to the wild animal park and the zoo when the kids were growing up. We were at those places all the time. But there was a merry-go-round outside. The money I spent on that thing. We did get to see two hippos poop. Well, then it was a great weekend. Yeah. Who cares about losing two out of three to the Padres? We walk into the hippo place. There's a big sign that says Super Poopers. And, and actually, then- it... it, it, it previewed it. Yes, it, it, it says they poop a lot or something. I didn't read it. I just thought it was funny. They called them super poopers. And then we walk up to see the hippos. And as soon as we get like to the front of the line, they both pooped right in Good front of us. Yep, yeah, they stayed true to their advertising. Yeah. Hippos are super poopers.